There is a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening. I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, and Merry Christmas to everyone listening tonight, and Happy Hanukkah. You know, I decided on this special Christmas time show, um, I'll only be a tiny bit political because I mostly want to talk about the Christmas season in America and Christmases in the past in America and, and where we're headed as a nation. And in particular, I want to talk about the right and wrong idea of the fact that America was founded as a Christian nation, or at least as a Judeo Christian nation, as a nation founded on the teachings of the Old and New um, Testaments in the Scriptures. Because a lot of that idea has been attacked in recent years, and the notion that America is a Christian nation has been uh, regarded as offensive. And so I want to just, uh, tonight I'm going to go through some speeches made by presidents, uh, our past presidents of the United States, to our troops during the Christmas season as they're serving abroad, not able to celebrate Christmas with their families. I'm going to... uh, play a little few uh, little t- takeaways from presidents who are speaking at the uh, dedication of the lighting of the National Christmas Tree and uh, a visit by a president to our troops abroad actually was on Thanksgiving. So we're going to talk a lot about the place of Christian faith in America today, but I wanted to just correct a couple of things I think are so important to understand about this idea that when people say, well, we are a Judeo-Christian nation, what it does and does not mean. To start with, I have heard even people on the conservative side lament, say, well, you know, we have lower church attendance now, you know, people who actually attend church every Sunday or whatever the measure is. And so that we are, and you, I've heard the conclusion made that we're not a, therefore a Judeo-Christian nation anymore. We're not a Christian nation because people don't attend services in their synagogue or their, or their Christian church. And that is a factually inaccurate statement. The reason we say that America is a Judeo-Christian nation is not based on percentages of Americans attending either their synagogue or their Christian church or, or people or whatever people even believe, the percent of Americans who believe in God or not. The idea is that the founding ideas of America woven in to the Declaration of Independence and even before the Declaration, the people who came to America seeking religious freedom, what they wrote about their purpose, why they were coming here, what they intended to do in this country— that is what makes America the, a, a Judeo-Christian nation, the ideas in those documents. And unless we're going to change the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and the founding of America, which we cannot change, we are a Judeo-Christian nation, no matter how far away we seem to have turned from some of the teachings. But that's what the—and the other really important, profoundly important idea about America being a Christian nation is this. It does not mean— that we are a nation that is intolerant or unaccepting of anyone. The beauty of the teachings that America was founded on is the complete respect for every individual to pursue his or her personal religious beliefs, to live in freedom, whether you want to be agnostic, you know, extremely uh, aggressively atheistic, whether you want to be, uh, whether you're rooted in your Christian faith, The idea of a country founded on Judeo-Christian ideas is that everyone's welcome and no one is punished or in any way mistreated because of their religious faith. 
the beauty of Christianity, unlike countries founded on Islam and the teachings in Islam and Sharia, the founding of America on, a, it, on the ideas in the Bible and Judeo-Christian ideas includes the idea that we respect the right and the freedom of each and every individual to live his or her faith uh, and practice their faith or lack thereof in their lives. It's a completely tolerant and wonderful idea. I also am going to have many quotes tonight from founders, from past presidents, uh, about the place of America and the Bible in America. And the one I want to read in this opening segment was um, actually uh, uttered in 1911 by Woodrow Wilson, who was, you know, um, a Democrat and a liberal. But Woodrow Wilson, um, 28th president of the United States, gave a famous address in which he said, and actually they began, they named the address the Bible and progress. He gave this to an audience in Denver, Colorado, and he said, the Bible is the one supreme source of revelation of the meaning of life, the nature of God, and the spiritual nature and needs of men. It is the only guide of life which really leads the spirit in the way of peace and salvation. America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelations of Holy Scripture. I don't quote Woodrow Wilson too often in this show because I don't agree with a lot of things he said and did, but I, the, the point I wanted to make about sharing that was in our country's history, throughout our country's history, we were historically not just on the conservative Republican side, but on the, on the Democrat side, we were broadly speaking in our political culture, in our nation's culture, fully aware that America was rooted in the teachings of the Bible and the Judeo-Christian ideas and the liberty that, that derives, that comes from those documents and the respect for the freedom of the individual to live his life or her life as they saw fit. This acknowledgement that Christianity plays a vital role, played a vital role in the, vital role in the founding of our country and continues to play a vital role in America today is more what we'll talk about tonight. I'm Debbie Georges. America Can We Talk. Come right back. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. And again, I'm Debbie George Addis. I'm so glad you're listening. And on this precious Christmas t- Christmas time, I'm uh, glad to be able to-, to be talking to you on the show tonight about the idea that it is a good and noble and great thing about America's history that we really are a country founded on Judeo-Christian ideas. If you're just tuning in, I was talking in the opening segment tonight about how the idea of America founded on Judeo-Christian ideas is a is just a historical fact, and I'll be filling through it uh, throughout the show tonight, filling you in on all sorts of comments by our founders, by early Americans, by past presidents, really rejoicing in that nature of America as a Judeo-Christian nation, not a nation that excludes, punishes, or in any way mistreats people of other faiths or people of no faith at all, that's one of the beauties of founding America on Christian ideas is that the respect for the individual is paramount, the respect for the individual to live his or her life as they choose. So I have a bunch of clips tonight. I'm going to start with one, just a Christmas time clip. And this was a speech, and it's a little bit scratchy because it's very, very old. It's a speech by President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his Christmas Eve message 
1943, and as you likely recall, at that time, we were at war. And so here's what he had to say uh, at that time, 1943, FDR. Tonight on Christmas Eve, all men and women everywhere who love Christmas are thinking of that ancient town and of the star of faith that shone there more than 19 centuries ago. American boys are fighting today in snow-covered mountains, in malarial jungles, on blazing deserts. They are fighting on the far stretches of the sea and above the clouds, fighting the thing that they, for which they struggle. I think it's best symbolized by the message that came out of Bethlehem. On behalf of the American people, your own people, I send this Christmas message to you, to you who are in our armed forces. In our hearts are prayers for you and for all your comrades in arms who fight to rid the world of evil. We ask God's blessing upon you, upon your fathers and mothers and wives and children all your loved ones at home. We ask that the comfort of God's grace shall be granted to those who are sick and wounded and to those who are prisoners of war in the hands of the enemy, waiting for the day when they will again be free. And we ask that God receive and cherish those who have given their lives and that he keep them in honor and in the grateful memory of their countrymen forever. God bless all of you who fight our battles on this Christmas Eve. God bless us all. Keep us strong in our faith that we fight for a better day for humankind here and everywhere. And that, if you're just tuning in, you, I bet many people listening recognize that voice is FDR, President, Fra- President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his Christmas Eve message of 1943. So many tender passages in there, you know, talking about just asking for God's grace. And, I, you know, I, I wanted to play some of these tonight because there are a, a lot I'm going to play throughout the show. But I think there was a time not so long ago in America where it was more expected and customary and and not considered to be, uh, you know, in any way even slightly offensive for people in office, you know, for a president of the United States in speaking to the people to speak in a way, a, a loving way about Christianity, about the purpose of Christmas, about the idea of Christmas and about the, the, the re- requesting and, and imploring God's grace and protection and, and love for his children. I mean, this this uh, concept was was very normal then, and and honestly, I think that this is at, at, Christ, at Christmas time. And one reason I'm doing this show and talking about this uh, on at this Christmas season is because I think we, the people in America who understand the history of America, understand that our country was founded on those ideas, need to be more vocal, need to be sharing that idea with others. That we, we've gotten kind of pushed around by aggressive secularism. But just, you know, just this notion that just aggressive atheism that to drive the idea of God's presence and God's word being part of the American culture and society, um, we've gotten a little bit muted, a little bit silent. And I, I think we should be, I think it's incumbent on all of us to be able to say, no, actually, this um, notion that we are, you know, we have gifts of God given to us 
that are recounted in the Declaration of Independence, that you know, for each of us we have the gift of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. These are our rights. These are ideas America was founded on. These are healthy and wholesome things. And as I say, the beauty of them, unlike other faiths, is that it is completely accepting of other people's rights to not embrace Christianity. But the ideas of America, the founding of America, was on the principles of um, Judeo-Christian beliefs. And I want to share one little quote about Christmas and then just talk a little bit about what I say in the founding documents even had these ideas. But this is a, a kind of, uh, this is a, a quote from Benjamin Franklin um, where he said, um, how many observe Christ's birthday? So he's talking about Christmas. How many observe Christ's birthday? How few his precepts? Oh, tis easier to keep holidays than commandments. Thought that was kind of an interesting thing from um, from Benjamin Franklin. But you know, our early uh, founders. I want to mention one quick, really um, kind of more in the past historic thing, even before the Declaration of Independence was when people were coming to America, what became America. People came from England. Uh, there, the uh, one, for example, the Charter of Jamestown, early, early American settlement, Char- Charter of Jamestown in 1606, their defined legal charter or their mission of this first American colony was, quote, for the furtherance of so noble a work which may, by the providence of Almighty God, hereafter tend to the glory of his divine majesty, in propagating the Christian religion. And this concept that the early people came to America for religious freedom, we always learn that in school, that people came for religious freedom, which is accurate, but they also came, they actually came to try to perpetuate, to establish a place where the Christian religion was safe, could be practiced. Now, they weren't perfect at it. We all know all sorts of stories of early American history, but they came for that kind of purpose. And there is, there are just, in fact, what, the um, one place I read, and I would encourage you if you have, don't own one of these, um, my husband bought me, I think it was on my birthday last year, um, bought me the Founder's Bible. And it's a really cool thing. It's very thick. And it's not just the Bible, but it has all sorts of um, historical quotes and uh, tie, it ties uh, various things in scriptures to something in history, to something somebody said, to, an, to a founder, to an idea about America. It's a really profound book and it does i mean what i just read to you was something from there but there are literally you know dozens and probably hundreds of examples even before america was founded with the declaration of independence of examples of our early settlers early our our forebears who came here you know 400 years ago plus they came here to establish a, a place where christian faith was protected and safe and again i can't urge you strongly enough i think that there's just a a determination on the secular left, a determination by many in the American left um, and in all sorts of leftist institutions like the ACLU and um, and people for the American way, all sorts of these left-wing organizations to try to make the argument that having any place for Christianity in the American political conversation, in contemplation of laws we pass, in contemplation of our public policies, that somehow Christianity is is being infringed is infringing on what is America, and the truth is the Christian base is what is America. And I, I want to be careful about the same the Judeo Christian faith too. I'll tell you a quick story as we get into the toward the close of this segment. Um, my husband's business partner um, is an Israeli citizen and uh, is Jewish and lives in Israel. And um, we he my husband's been there many times uh, to do various business deals with him, and he's often in America and comes to our home. We've had really profound, deep, 
interesting conversations about the nature of God, life, and, um, and, and what it means to be trying to practice your faith in the modern world. And um, among the things I thought were just so special and extraordinary um, is uh, we talked about the country of Israel and the country of America and how you know, America has this rich, this rich rooting in Christian history, which is how we came to be a country, what is still the roots of our country. And in Israel, that is the single most um, like America country in all of the Middle East, uh, again, the, the Jewish faith being based on the Old Testament, so this Judeo portion of Judeo-Christian, it created the same kind of society that Christian faith created in America, a society where the individual is respected, where everyone, including you know, Arab Muslims who are citizens of Israel, can vote, that we have, they have equal rights for everybody. They have a free, open, prosperous country all of the concepts of freedom, respect for the individual, the right to practice your faith, as embraced as they are in America, are also true in Israel. And maybe sometime during the show, I'll tell you more, a more modern story about our own family's um, uh, just involvement with various uh, organizations and, and just friends of our family who are um, actively practicing their Jewish faith and how much we have open and wonderful conversations about what faith does to bring brings to a culture. So come right back after the break. And we'll have another quote from a president, another uh, clip from him. So come right back. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. There's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. And I'm going to say at the start of every segment for this show, I wish everyone listening a Merry Christmas season and Happy Hanukkah and Happy New Year, just joyous holiday season. And tonight, because it is Christmas time, I'm taking a little bit of a break from my usual uh, talk about America. Although, you know, I'm often on politics, but I'm really always the core of my show is always about the idea of discussing the importance, the unique place of America in the world and preserving the right idea of America for the next generation, for forever, for generations to come. And we only can preserve America if we understand America. And so what we've been talking about tonight is just the idea that the uh, the notion of America as a Christian nation has been uh, maligned, especially in the American left. Uh, this notion that America is just a, uh, you know, a nation that has no... Uh, theological roots, has no particular connection to any uh, religion. That is an argument fostered mainly by secular, secularists, can't even say it, secularists, um, or just kind of strident atheism tries to drive the, um, the notions, sell the notion to the American people that, uh, you know, America is just a, a nation, a bunch of random people with no connection in any way, uh, and no rooting in their Judeo-Christian ideas. But the truth is, America does have that rooting. Um, and I'm also trying to play tonight, I am going to share with you some of the uh, expressions of our, at Christmas time especially, uh, by our presidents and others in American history, um, about, you know, their expressions of love at Christmas time, love for our nation, the notion of what America is as a Christian nation. So I'm going to play the clip um, now which is President um, Reagan. This was his Christmas message in 1981, his Christmas message from the White House.
Good evening. At Christmas time, every home takes on a special beauty, a special warmth. And that's certainly true of the White House, where so many famous Americans have spent their Christmases over the years. This fine old home, the People's House, has seen so much, been so much a part of all our lives and history. G.K. Chesterton once said that the world would never starve for wonders, but only for the want of wonder. At this special time of year, we all renew our sense of wonder in recalling the story of the first Christmas in Bethlehem nearly 2,000 years ago. Some celebrate Christmas as the birthday of a great and good philosopher and teacher. Others of us believe in the divinity of the child born in Bethlehem, that he was and is the promised Prince of Peace. Yes, we've questioned why he who could perform miracles chose to come among us as a helpless babe. But maybe that was his first miracle his first great lesson that we should learn to care for one another. Tonight, in millions of American homes, the glow of the Christmas tree is a reflection of the love Jesus taught us. Like the shepherds and wise men of that first Christmas, we Americans have always tried to follow a higher light, a star, if you will. At lonely campfire vigils along the frontier, in the darkest days of the Great Depression, through war and peace, the twin beacons of faith and freedom have brightened the American sky. At times, our footsteps may have faltered, but trusting in God's help, we've never lost our way. Just across the way from the White House stand the two great emblems of the holiday season, a menorah symbolizing the Jewish festival of Hanukkah and the national Christmas tree, a beautiful towering blue spruce from Pennsylvania. Like the national Christmas tree, our country is a living, growing thing planted in rich American soil. Only our devoted care can bring it to full flower. So let this holiday season be for us a time of rededication. Christmas means so much because of one special child. But Christmas also reminds us that all children are special, that they are gifts from God, gifts beyond price that mean more than any presents money can buy. In their love and laughter, in our hopes for their future lies the true meaning of Christmas. So, in a spirit of gratitude for what we've been able to achieve together over the past year and looking forward to all that we hope to achieve together in the years ahead, Nancy and I want to wish you all the best of holiday seasons. As Charles Dickens, who said so well in A Christmas Carol, God bless us, everyone. Good night. And that, I'm sure everyone listening recognizes that voice, President Ronald Reagan. A lot of people say they really miss him. But, you know, that was one of the many uh, beautiful Christmas messages. And we'll be playing more throughout the show tonight. Christmas messages from a president speaking to the country about the purpose, the meaning, the joy of Christmas. And I, I just, I'm, you know, uh, very grateful that those things got Recorded or available for us to listen to and remind us. And I've been kind of jumping around about history, but I'm going to go back again because if nothing else from tonight's show, besides enjoying hearing all the um, speeches, by, the remarks by FDR and President um, Reagan, and you're going to be hearing from President George W. Bush, um, I hope you take away this notion that the idea that America was founded on Judeo-Christian ideas is core to the identity of America. We're going to talk a lot in the second half about the kind of culture created out of that. Um, but, you know, that it, it is not 
a factually disputed, uh, disputed, there's no dispute factually about the history of America and what America was founded to do. And again, the beauty of Christianity, among many, many things, is it is not intended to be uh, imposed or inflicted by force. It is not. In- it was never intended to be a nation where people were excluded unless they were Christian. It was always inclusive. It was always protecting everyone's rights equally. But it is undeniable that the ideas that created our country came from the Old and New Testament, the Judeo-Christian scriptures. So another interesting thing, going back in history, I mentioned um, earlier the Charter of Jamestown. So a little later, the Pilgrims, um, I should say, I'm sorry, yeah, in 1620, the Pilgrims had them, their Mayflower Compact. And again, this is early American history, what the Pilgrims said about Christianity in their Mayflower Compact. They had, it was a profound Christian mission statement that was, that was the Mayflower Compact, and it said, In the name of God, amen, we whose names are underwritten. It first defined their rights as a Christian colony as originating with God, the authority being granted to the people and then delegated to governmental authorities such as the king, the basis from which we get such notions as we the people and consent of the governed, those very early um, Americans. And the, well, they weren't even Americans yet, but they were here uh, in our country. This idea of the Mayflower Compact, they had the notion that later made its way into the Declaration of Independence. Their rights came from God, and that authority was granted to the people and then delegated to the government. And, and that order of authority, God, people, and then the king, was a huge and radical departure from the rest of European expansion which essentially had to do with authority being vested and remaining in the crown. So it's interesting. So this is the Mayflower Compact. And then when the pilgrims are here in this country, in 1636, the pilgrims added the first formal code of bylaws, the Plymouth Constitution. So then they're adding a new set of laws. So at that time, um, the people had then agreed to a set of laws, but they absolutely still held on to that, that the first reason for coming to America, the first reason for creating a country, was for their Christian faith, to live it freely, to receive rights from God, to live their Christian faith, and then honor the king and the country. So those ideas actually made their way into the Declaration of Independence. And, I, and that language, you know, which everyone's familiar with, but we've been endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And, we, and in America, that notion of, we, we exist as a country because we overthrew centuries, in fact, millennia of human history that said the kings, the rulers, whether they, you like them or not, they made the laws and they decided your rights and they decide whether your rights should be limited. They decide when to take away your freedom. They decide whether you can speak, who you can worship, what you can do. All of that was overthrown by the founding of America. So again, this idea that America's founding was radical. It was a radical departure from human history, and it was a, an idea rooted in freeing themselves from the restriction of having a king and royal family decide for America what America was, decide for people what your rights are, and instead, we, our founders said, no, we're deciding we know our rights are from God. We decide, and then once we form a country out of that, then we will decide from that what we're going to do in terms of a government and what authority the government has. And the government must serve with the consent of us as the, uh, we the people, 
they, the government serves under because we give them that consent and they exist to protect those rights. So the notion that has been introduced into the American political conversation that somehow America's rooting in Judeo-Christian history is restrictive or limiting is exactly the opposite of what is true. It's exactly the opposite. What is true is freedom from God recognized by individuals as a basis for forming a country was the most freeing, radical uh, step for any country in the world, overthrowing the power of the government and reinstating the power of the people I'm Debbie George Ass, American Can We Talk? Don't go away. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now.
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to American Community Talk. And again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year. Um, grateful to be able to talk to you every week on American Community Talk. And this actually, you know, it's kind of funny because my show is very political, of course, but it's always about the re-embracing and understanding and loving on the idea of America. And it actually fits perfectly with a Christmas message because there's so much about Christmas that should remind us that we are we live in a country that is profoundly dedicated to religious freedom that was founded on the most important ideas in human history in terms of freedom of the individual. And I'm playing tonight different segments from some of our um, presidents or Christmas messages. And I want to play another one right now. This is, again, President Reagan. It was his Christmas message in 1983. And I believe it was, again, the lighting of the national Christmas tree. But this is the, the precious, precious, really, message from President Reagan in 1983 on Christmas. My fellow Americans, like so many of your homes, the White House is brimming with greens, colorful decorations, and a tree trimmed and ready for Christmas Day. And when Nancy and I look out from our upstairs windows, we can see the national Christmas tree standing in majestic beauty. Its lights fill the air with a spirit of love, hope, and joy from the heart of America. I shared that spirit recently when a young girl named Amy Benham helped me light our national tree. Amy had said that the tree that lights up our country must be seen all the way to heaven, and she said that her wish was to help me turn on its lights. Well, Amy's wish came true, but the greatest gift was mine, because I saw her eyes light up with hope and joy just as brightly as the lights on our national tree, and I'm sure they were both seen all the way to heaven, and they made the angels sing. Christmas is a time for children, and rightly so. We celebrate the birthday of the Prince of Peace who came as a babe in a manger. Some celebrate Christmas as the birthday of a great teacher and philosopher, but to other millions of us, Jesus is much more. He is divine, living assurance that God so loved the world, he gave us his only begotten Son so that by believing in him and learning to love each other, we could one day be together in paradise. It's been said that all the kings who ever reigned and all the parliaments that ever sat have not done as much to advance the cause of peace on earth and goodwill to men as the man from Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth. Christmas is also a time to remember the treasures of our own history. We remember one Christmas in particular, 1776, our first year as a nation. The Revolutionary War had been going badly, but George Washington's faith, courage, and leadership would turn the tide of history our way. On Christmas night, 
he led a band of ragged soldiers across the Delaware River through driving snow to a victory that saved the cause of independence. It's said that their route of march was stained by bloody footprints, but their spirit never faltered and their will could not be crushed. The image of George Washington kneeling in prayer in the snow is one of the most famous in American history. He personified a people who knew it was not enough to depend on their own courage and goodness. They must also seek help from God, their Father and Preserver. In a few hours, families and friends across America will join together in caroling parties and Christmas Eve services. Together, we'll renew that spirit of faith, peace, and giving which has always marked the character of our people. In our moments of quiet reflection, I know we will remember our fellow citizens who may be lonely and in need tonight. Is the Christmas spirit still alive, some ask? Well, you bet it is. Being Americans, we open our hearts to neighbors less fortunate. We try to protect them from hunger and cold, and we reach out in so many ways, from toys for tots drives across the country to goodwill by the Salvation Army to American Red Cross efforts which provide food, shelter, and Christmas cheer from Atlanta to Seattle. Churches are so generous it's impossible to keep track. One example, Reverend Bill Sengel's Presbyterian Meeting House in nearby Alexandria, Virginia, is simultaneously sponsoring Hot Meals on Wheels programs, making and delivering hundreds of sandwiches and box loads of clothes, while visiting local hospitals and sending postcards to shut-ins and religious dissidents abroad. Let us remember the families who maintain a watch for their missing in action. And yes, let us remember all those who were persecuted inside the Soviet bloc, not because they commit a crime, but because they love God in their hearts and want the freedom to celebrate Hanukkah or worship the Christ child. And because faith for us is not an empty word, we invoke the power of prayer to spread the spirit of peace. We ask protection for our soldiers who are guarding peace tonight, from frigid outposts in Alaska and the Korean demilitarized zone to the shores of Lebanon. One Lebanese mother told us that her little girl had only attended school two of the last eight years. Now, she said, because of our presence there, her daughter can live a normal life. With patience and firmness, we can help bring peace to that strife-torn region and make our own lives more secure. The Christmas spirit of peace, hope, and love is a spirit Americans carry with them all year round everywhere we go. As long as we do, we need never be afraid because trusting in God is the one sure answer to all the problems we face. Till next week, thanks for listening. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. And again, I know we all recognize that voice, President Ronald Reagan. This, that was his 1983 Christmas message to the nation. And, you know, um, I have a couple other uh, clips from people I'll play in the second hour today, but, you know, I share them because I want, I really love the idea of Christmas, of course, every. Most people love Christmas, but I love the idea of, of taking the time in this Christmas season to reflect on what kind of country, why America is the most exceptional nation on earth, why it is the nation that is abundantly generous, which I will talk about in the second hour, uh, why it is filled with people who are so loving toward each other, and how the rooting, uh, America's rooting, and the idea of rights coming to man directly from God and that government exists to protect those rights that whole um, that that whole dynamic, that just paradigm shift, that shift away from a, a ruling monarchy to to a a country based on the idea we have rights from God, that was that was the difference that made America the place 
everyone wanted to come from around the world and still wants to come, a nation committed to the rights of the individual. And that, that, that idea is inextricably linked to our Judeo-Christian ideas. And, and you know, I think it's been so uh, unnecessary and damaging and, and irrational that we spent so much time in recent years having to defend the idea that America is a, is a Christian nation at its roots. So I'm just going to read you a few really interesting, great quotes from our founders and from the Supreme Court justices who dealt with cases uh, like the, <clears throat> that, that challenge America's, you know, the place of Christianity in America. First of all, I mentioned there are over 300 cases in which the uh, courts have found, including many Supreme Court cases, have just taken as a given America is a Christian nation. And it's just a a vital thing to recognize. But I'm going to just read you some of the. First, we'll start with John Adams. You know, John Adams, um, many, many quotes attributed to him, but one I wanted to share with you uh, that relate to the place of Christianity in America's founding. He wrote, he said, rather, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Without religion, this world would be something not fit to be mentioned in polite company. I mean hell. That was his. He says the Christian religion is, above all the religions that ever prevailed or existed in ancient or modern times, the religion of wisdom, virtue, equity, and humanity. And there are just, I mean, I'm going to read a few other quotes from presidents. There was uh, John Quincy Adams, sixth president of the United States, you know, secretary of state, a senator. Um, and he was one, he described himself as hellbound to bring about abolition. Um, and he says, the hope of a Christian is inseparable from his faith. Whoever believes in the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures must hope that the religion of Jesus shall prevail throughout the world. Never since the foundation of the world have the prospects of mankind been more encouraging to that hope than they appear to be at the present time. And then I want to read from also Supreme Court uh, uh, statements, statements written in decisions from the Supreme Court. Uh, One from a uh, Supreme Court justice, David Brewer, um, and he wrote this about whether America should be considered a Christian nation. In what sense can America be called a Christian nation? Not in the sense that Christianity is the established religion or that the people are in any manner compelled to support it. On the contrary, the Constitution specifically provides that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Neither is it a Christian nation in the sense that all its citizens are either in fact or named Christians. On the contrary, all religions have free scope within our borders. Numbers of our people profess other religions, and many reject all. Nor is it Christian in the sense that a profession of Christianity is a condition of holding office or otherwise engaging in public service or essential to recognition either politically or socially. In fact, the government as a legal organization is independent of all religions. Nevertheless, we constantly speak of this republic as a Christian nation. In fact, as the leading Christian nation in the world. And, you know, there's another uh, quote by a Supreme Court justice, and this is actually interesting because 
Actually, let me read a quick, uh, quick ones from presidents. Um, even LBJ, the Democrat president, said, in the last 200 years, we have guided the building of our nation and our society by those principles and precepts brought to earth nearly 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas. Richard Nixon, let us remember that as a Christian nation, we have a charge and a destiny. Herbert Hoover, American life is builded and can alone survive upon the fundamental philosophy announced by the Savior 19 centuries ago. And Harry Truman, who I'll talk about a lot coming up, he said, in this great country of ours, it's been demonstrated the fundamental unity of Christianity and democracy. And then actually, there was also a uh, statement I want to read. This was just amazing. It was fun to do all this research. But Chief Justice Earl Warren, U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice Warren said, I believe no one can read the history of our country without realizing that the good book and the spirit of the Savior have from the beginning been our guiding geniuses. And then he says the same objective is present today. We're a Christian land governed by Christian principles. And again, I say this because this makes America a place where everyone's welcome. And it, it, had, it was the rooting of a society created out of Christian ideas that we'll talk about in the second hour, including the profound generosity that emerged in our culture because we're being based on a religion that it was taught in the Old Testament as well as in the New. Love your neighbor as yourself. Care for God's children. Care for your neighbor. We come back from the break. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and what a great time it is to celebrate America as a Christian nation. Come right back. 